All right, how about I, uh, I pray for us. Lord, thank you for this, uh, this church. Thank you for this body of believers um, uh, who gather uh, every week here in this space. Um, we thank you for the gifts, uh, the talents, uh, the treasure that each one of us have and, and can share with each other. Uh, we ask that uh, you would uh, help me uh, teach today. Uh, I pray that uh, those here can, can get something out of it. Uh, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide me and uh, that I speak truth and um, that, uh, yeah, your word would just go forth uh, today. Uh, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you didn't know, uh, we, I'm speaking today on uh, a biblical view of money. So personal finance, essentially, right? Um, and I, I'm sure, I know some of you probably know that this was the topic this morning, and some of you, when you heard it, uh, got very excited about the topic, because you're very interested in this, and, and some of you may have cringed, and uh, maybe most of this half of the room decided to stay home when they heard that it was uh, about money. I, I don't know, but um, why talk about money? Why talk about money? Um, main thing is Jesus talked about it a lot. We don't talk about it often in, in messages and sermons, but, but Jesus talked about it a lot. 15%, 15% of Jesus' words uh, were about money. So he thought it was important, so we ought to think it's important too. Uh, it's a huge issue for a lot of people, good or bad. Uh, there's a lot of stress that comes with money. There's a lot of money problems out there, fights, marriage issues uh, that stem from money. The American Psychological Association, every year, does a stress survey, and money is consistently the number one or number two source of stress in America. Uh, the 2021 survey showed that 61% of people see money as a very or somewhat significant source of stress in their lives. And the percentages are even higher uh, the younger the age group, as you might expect. We're a pretty young church. And there's some bad theology out there on money. The two extremes, you've got prosperity gospel, right? You've heard of this, right? God wants you to be rich. Money is everything. You want to gain more and more money. Uh, you don't have to be rich to have that, have that belief. You, both rich and poor have, have that bad theology of, of the prosperity gospel. It's all about making money and that demonstrating that God has blessed you. Uh, then the other side of that is the, is the poverty gospel. That money is nothing. nothing. Money is bad. We shouldn't think about it. If we think about it, we'll get tempted by it. Just ignore it. Being rich is unrighteous. Just be poor. The poor is where is where the righteous are. Uh, both of those are, uh, are bad theology. And we'll talk more about what right theology is here um, in a minute. So what's my background? Uh, some of you know who, uh, what I, I guess what I do for a living. Um, so I'm an accountant. I'm, I'm a certified public accountant. Uh, uh, work for a firm that, uh, it's, a, it's a large firm in Seattle here. And uh, whenever people hear CPA, they think, oh, you do, you do, income taxes, right? But I actually don't do income taxes. So don't come to me with your tax questions. I probably won't be able to answer them. Um, 
But uh, so I'm actually a, a financial statement auditor. Um, and that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but the best way I could describe it is I'm like the accounting police. I make sure that businesses and organizations report their, their financial information correctly to, to investors and banks and, and just the general public. So kind of, kind of the accounting police, all right? Uh, I also taught a four-part uh, financial stewardship class here uh, at Calvary Wallingford a few years ago. Some of you were part of that. I know Vera was, was in that. I don't, I don't know if anybody else was, but... Um, I took some of the, these, uh, the notes from that to, to uh, prepare for this uh, sermon today. Uh, so at the end of the day, I'm not a personal financial planner. I'm not a, I'm not a guy who, you know, does that for a living or anything like that. I, um, I, I'm not gonna, I can't give investment advice, I anything like that. Um, but I do enjoy numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I, I like numbers. Money is often about numbers. And I enjoy helping people too. So um, I feel like I have some some knowledge and some skills in this area that uh, I think could be useful and, and I think um, hopefully the right biblical perspective on, on things as well that I want to share today. So I'll start with a scripture, uh, Matthew six nineteen through 24. This is, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think the key word here is in verse 21, and that's the, uh, the word heart. It's what it all comes down to, the heart. Where is your heart at with money? Their heart refers to the center of one's being, so it includes your emotions, your reason, your will, kind of all of you, your essence, right? Just because you're rich, that doesn't make you righteous. Just because you're poor, doesn't make you righteous. It's all about your heart. You cannot serve two masters, God and money. You can't serve them both. Serve here, that word essentially means a slave to, right? So you can't be a slave to both God and money. Complete devotion, a slave. Serving God means having the right heart and storing up rewards in heaven rather than riches or possessions here. Riches and possessions on earth ultimately, ultimately are meaningless in heaven. There's a story that illustrates that point. There was once a, a rich man who was near death and he was really grieved because he, he knew, well, I, I, I can't take my my money to heaven, and I worked so hard for it. I really want to take, take some of my riches uh, with me to heaven. So he, he began to pray to God, God, let me take some of my, my riches to heaven with me. God hears him, and he allows him to take one suitcase full of his riches to, to heaven with him. The man's overjoyed. So he gathers his largest suitcase, and he puts in uh, he fills it with gold bars, 
and he's going to take that to heaven with him when he dies. So he fills the suitcase, places it next to his bed. Later on, the man dies, right? He shows up at the gates of heaven. Peter's there. And he's seeing the suitcase. He says, hey, wait, 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 you can't bring that in. The man says, hey, I know, I've, I've talked to God. He, he said I could bring a suitcase full. So Peter says, I'll check on it. Peter goes, talks to God. Peter comes back and says, you're right. All right, you're, you're allowed one carry-on bag. But I have to check its contents first before, you, uh, let it through, before I let it through. So Peter opens the suitcase to inspect the worldly items that the man found too precious to leave behind, sees the gold plates and says, you brought pavement? Meaningless in heaven. Meaningless in heaven. Everybody got that? Okay. If you didn't, come see me later. What's that? You brought pavement. The streets are paved with gold already, right? Okay. All right. So what is the right frame of mind for, for, uh, for money? Uh, Jesus tells a parable of the rich fool. Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Maybe we have a temptation for that. But God said to him, fool, fool. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, those, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So Jesus tells this parable because the man who wanted, to, wanted him to settle an inheritance dispute had a greedy heart. Again, it's coming back to, this, to the heart issue. It's not because he was rich, it's because of his heart. Jesus ignores the request as he's getting directly involved is getting directly involved with that was, was not part of his earthly ministry. He goes to the heart. In the parable, the man worked hard to get rich, but he did not acknowledge God who gave him everything. It was God who gave him the talent. It was God who gave him the opportunities to get those resources. He wasn't using his resources to care for others. He just wanted to sit on it. He was selfish and greedy. His life will end, and he had done nothing useful with his riches. So again, nothing in this section precludes wealth creation. But Jesus wants to warn his hearers about the dangers of wealth. Wealth can create complacency, greed, and self-sufficiency. A lack of a need for God. So a biblical view of money involves these ideas. Money is a tool. 
Just as parts of our bodies are tools for good or evil, so is money a tool for good or evil. Your eyes can be a tool for good. We need them where they're useful, right? But my eyes can see things and be tempted by those things, right? My hands, I can do good things with my hands or I can do evil things with my hands, right? In the same way, money, it's just a tool. It's not good, it's not bad. It's a tool. It can be used for for good or for evil. We need to recognize that everything comes from God. It's not just money. It's our time, our talent, our job. All of it comes from God. Because everything comes from God, ultimately everything is his. And we're just stewards, right? Whatever money we have, whatever wealth we have, it's all his. So having that frame of mind is really, really important. And we, we, are need, we need to steward what God has given us. So when we think about using our money, it's an opportunity to worship. It's an opportunity to use our money in a way that is honoring to God. If we use it unwisely, we're worshiping something else. Probably ourselves. So I want to get practical. It's not all theoretical. I want to get a little practical. So I'm going to talk about three areas, three ways that we, that we use our money. So three, three main ways. We give, we spend, or we save. Really, it comes down to those three things, right? You give it away, you spend it, or you save it. So we'll talk about giving first. And I think it's important to talk about giving first because... I think it's the most important of the three. If money is ultimately God's, then we, want, we should be using it for his purposes, right? And that's usually sharing it with those who need it. So uh, I'm going to give another verse here. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. Here Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So Paul here reiterates a popular proverb about reaping what you sow. God gives people opportunities to give generously, and doing so bears much fruit for God's kingdom. So the two words there, cheerful and sacrificial, okay? Cheerful. Why is it cheerful? Why is it cheerful to give? Are we cheerful? Cheerful because we've been given the grace of salvation, the salvation grace by God, and God has given us good gifts, and we have the ability to use those, those gifts and to carry out that, that grace to others by giving to, by giving to others. So it ought to be a cheerful endeavor.
and sacrificial. You got to feel it, right? (laughs) So giving should be the first use of our money. God wants our first fruits. It's not after paying all the other bills, buying the gadgets, taking the vacation, buying the clothes, a larger house, all those sorts of things are secondary. We need to be giving the first use of our money. So what's the right, how much to give? How much, how much do you give? Um, a lot of people want to dial it into percentage. We can talk percentage. Um, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel actually were required to give 10%. Tithe, that's, tithe means 10%, right? We're required to give uh, 10% as a basic, basic tithe. And a lot of people sort of think that, but, or think that that's sort of it. But there are actually additional tithes that were mentioned uh, in the Old Testament uh, that the people of Israel were required to give as well. So they, if, you, if you add them all up, the actual percentage was closer to 20%. Now, believers, we're not under the Mosaic Covenant in that regard, right? Um, and the New Testament doesn't give any kind of stipulation as to a percentage. So, I would suggest that there is no set percentage of your income that you are required to give. I, mean, if, I, I think being dogmatic about it can be, also be problematic, frankly, and takes away from the heart issue. Um, but I would say using 10% as a general guide can be helpful. Now, that sounds like a lot. We'll talk about spending in the next section. Uh, but just know, again, it is sacrificial. Giving, giving is supposed to be sacrificial and an opportunity to trust God with our money. Not being selfish and engaging in a discipline that keeps God first. Giving sacrificially keeps you in the frame of mind of everything being God's and not yours. Uh, where should we give? Uh, your primary giving really ought to be to the local church. Uh, the church is the manifestation of God's kingdom here uh, in this present age, and, and uh, giving to the church reminds us that we are one body supporting each other, right? So we're a, we are a body. We're a body of believers here at Calvary Wallingford, and uh, giving to the church is a representation of that. Obviously, there's a lot of great parachurch organizations out there. There's a lot of great Christian ministries out there that are doing good work too, and it's great to give uh, to those as well, um, you know, those who are doing, doing good work in the name of, of Christ. Uh, but again, I think your, your, your primary giving really ought to be to, to the local church. Um, there's also verses about paying your pastor well. I'll give you one, and Mike didn't tell me to... to, to to uh, give you this one, so. <laughs> but here, uh, here's a verse. First Timothy uh, 5, 17 to 18 says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. A lot of people think, well, pastors are supposed to be poor. That's actually not scriptural. <laughs> Um, now they shouldn't be wildly rich either probably but 
but the point is, pay, pay them what they're worth. Again, Mike didn't tell me to say that, so just. All right, so that's giving. Spending. Second area. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Spending. We need to spend within our means. What happens if we don't spend within our means? We go into debt, right? It's just numbers. You spend, you spend more than you make. You, money's got to come from somewhere. You're going to take out debt. Debt makes us slaves to the lender. If you spend more than you earn, most likely, not always, most likely, the issue isn't the income, the issue is the spending. I realize there's ways to generate more income, and there's there's certainly, that's certainly a, a thing you should consider. But ultimately, if you're spending more than you are taking in, there's probably a spending issue there. We are, in America, far richer than any other people in the history of the world. And you may say, well, I don't feel rich. Heck, I'm in debt. But if you just look at living standard here in America, we all have... In the main, a place to sleep that is warm, that has a roof and four walls. It's heated in the winter, maybe not cooled in the summer. The mattress is comfortable. We have square footage that would, be, have, would have been unheard of in biblical times and certainly unheard of in many parts of the world. So, and that's just the basics. Think of all the other sort of conveniences we have with electricity and appliances and cars and all, the, all of that. So, we are far richer than any other people in history if you just look at our living standard. So, do we really need everything that we have? No. We all probably would agree with that. But the temptations are everywhere. Temptations are everywhere. And advertising pushes us. You always need more, more, more. The newest this, the newest that. Here's this thing that you didn't even know you needed, but now you, know, now you need it. it. Happens all the time, right? I didn't know I needed a camera on my phone. Now it's, I gotta have a camera on my phone, right? It's true. So what? What do we do about that? Well, it's a discipline. Ultimately, it's a spiritual discipline to spend within your means. We need to make a budget. The big B word. Nobody seems to like the word budget. I don't know, budget. But we've got to make a budget. got to live with it. If you're married, do it together. Um, if you've never done a budget, 
Uh, I would say the first thing to do would be to track your spending for a month, just so you have a baseline at least. Your budget should also include any future expected long-term future needs, right? So if you're wanting to buy a house, think about needing to save a set aside money for that house or that car or whatever it might be. So maybe we are doing okay there. Maybe we are spending less than we make. So at the end of the day, maybe we are building wealth. Um, you don't want to hoard money either, right? And we'll talk about saving here in the next, in the next uh, section. So ultimately, as you're preparing a budget, as you're thinking about your spending, you got you to be praying about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help guide you on spending your money wisely with the right heart. Saving, the third thing we can do with our money. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So again, there's nothing in here that says being rich is bad. But it does say those who are rich need to be giving. Save so as to bless more abundantly. Saving is also important to handle our known costs in the future. So we have things we, we need now, food, shelter, that sort of thing. But there's things down the road that might be important too. So saving can help us save for retirement. Uh, I'm of the mind that people should generally be working until they can't physically or mentally or emotionally work anymore, you know? Uh, and work doesn't have to be paid, but... Um, to do something uh, that is um, sort of work-related, I guess. And, uh, but there, come, there, there could be a time, we, we live a long life here in the United States typically, and, and there could be a time when it's no longer possible to work to earn money. And so you retire, and having resources to be able to fund your retirement yeah, is, is an important and just um, is a proper thing to save money for. Um, getting an education, saving up for college, saving up for a home, those are things I think that are all, all good as well. So um, when you're setting your budget again, think about those future, those future uh, needs as well. There's a few other nuggets of wisdom that Proverbs gives us about saving. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. It's okay to build up generational, like, generational wealth, to pass on to your, to your heirs. Proverbs 28, 20b, he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. This gets to, well, I want to build wealth really quickly. Hastening to be rich seeking to get rich quickly. There's really sinful ways of, or not prudent ways of 
generating wealth as well. Um, there's a lot of money-making schemes out there that don't work. Or if they do, they're not Christian, <laughs> let's just say. Um, if you want to try to make a bunch of money really quickly in the stock market and you don't have that money to, you actually don't have that money to lose, that's another bad way to get rich quickly. So just be careful. Slow and steady almost always wins the race. Uh, Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Saving a little every month builds wealth. It's discipline. There's the idea of compound interest. If you guys know that, the concept of, of compound interest, but basically the idea is you set some money aside, you invest it prudently, generate some interest or gains. You keep it, keep the original invested and the gains or the interest invested. And then the next year, not only do you get more interest or gains on the original amount you put in, but you get interest and gains on the interest that you earned in the prior year as well, right? So that's effectively compound interest. That happens year after year after year. Guess what? That little amount that you're giving gets to be big numbers, okay? I'll give you an example. A 30-year-old who invests $200 a month at a 7% return, just kind of an average return, let's just say it's just in a basic stock market fund, 7% return will have $244,000 by the time they reach the age of 60. Okay? Compare that to a 20-year-old, so 10 years earlier, investing $200 a month, 7% return. When they reach 60, they'll have $525,000. That's more than twice as much for just a 10-year difference. So start early. That's what I'm saying. Start early. Find a way to, find a way to save. So that's the practical aspects of it. I kind of want to, I'll finish here, coming to the end. Um, my questions for you, for us to talk about with your, your family, your community group, and they relate to these three kind of practical areas of money. Um, one is, what aspect of giving is most difficult for you? Cheerful, sacrificial, regular? Which is the most difficult? Do you struggle with it? Are you not cheerful about it? Begrudgingly give? Uh, are you not sacrificial? Does it not hurt? You sort of give what's left over at the end every month? Is it not regular? You only give when you feel like you want to. Uh, related to spending, are there areas of spending that are not honoring to God? And then the last question related to saving. Do you have difficulty saving enough or saving too much? Could, could be both. With that, um, I, I will offer my 
help, advice, counsel, if anybody in the church ever wants it. Um, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a personal financial planner. I'm not, I don't do, this for, don't do that for a living, but um, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking about money and numbers and <laughs> budgets and things like that. I'm, I'm an Excel geek, right? So, you know, it's just kind of in my nature. So if anybody ever wants to connect, um, you know, outside of, outside of Sunday on the matter, I'm, I'm happy to connect with them. Um, what time is it? 11.16? Does anybody have any questions? Just open it up. Anybody? You don't have to, or you can ask me after service, but does anybody have any thoughts or questions on anything I said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm not going to fix you to, to any percentage. I think ultimately it comes down to a heart issue. And I think you're, you're probably doing the right thing. If you're, if you're in the word and you're, you're praying and asking the Lord to lead you in giving, then you're doing the right thing. Questions on that? No one person here is going to solve world poverty, right? The poor will always be with us. Even Jesus says that, right? I mean, that, that's, that's just a fact. Um, but there's a, lot of great, there's a lot of great ministries out there doing a lot of good work around the world. And I think giving to those organizations is great. I think Christian ministries specifically, right, doing good work around the world. Um, and, you know, I mean, ultimately, nothing what's going to pull people out of poverty worldwide and, and which has pulled people out of poverty worldwide. I mean, actually, I think in, the, in general, world poverty has declined um, in recent years. I think a lot of that's due to, the, to China taking on more capitalistic, more, a more capitalistic economic structure. Um, but that ultimately, it's, it's how, how wealth is created. It's ultimately businesses. It's capitalism. I mean, capitalism gets a bad rap, but it's, that is how wealth is created, is, is, is capitalism. And so, um, I think a lot of the, a lot of what the reasons for poverty around the world is, is, is bad economic systems to start with. Um, that all being said, you know, there's, that's not, doesn't help the people who live there who are poor, right? So, there are certainly ways to to give to organizations to help, but, you, but again, you're, no one's going to solve that. No one here on their own is going to solve that, right? So um, again, I think giving, giving to your local church is your primary focus. I think, you know, 
um, helping out from a, from a from the mission field standpoint, either going yourself or supporting missionaries is great. Um, because ultimately, what people need the most is Jesus. They don't need wealth. Wealth is nice. Money is nice. But they need Jesus. We all need Jesus, right? So I think, I think evangelism is where I would put my resources from a world perspective, yeah. Jameson. This is kind of, kind of personally, for you specifically, you had to educate yourself to become an accountant, et cetera. And I don't know what the timeline is with your career and your walk with the Lord. Did they ever not intertwine or did you at some point say, I want to get into finances and I want to glorify God with this? Or was it after you were employed that you thought, you know? I would say probably, I mean, you know, I was a Christian before I got into college, let's say, right? So I, um, yeah, so I, I, I think I've always had the perspective, the, uh, I shouldn't say that. I think I, there were times, there has been times in my life when I haven't had a biblical, or it wasn't maybe front of, front of mind, you know? I, I didn't really sort of research the biblical, a biblical framework for, for money, you know? Um, I think that's something I've, I've learned over time. I think, I don't know, we can talk about this offline, but I, I mean, I, 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 I think when I first started off, I didn't really have the resources to be able to think sort of generationally or think legacy-wise about, about money. And that's only been kind of maybe in, in more recent years. And, and I think the idea of helping people with money wasn't a concept that I had early on. It was more, my knowledge was for myself. And I wasn't passing it on or I wasn't, I didn't think people cared about it maybe or, or maybe I, I don't know. I just didn't have the confidence, I guess, that I could, that I could be helpful in that regard. Um, so I think that's probably been a, a more recent thing for me is There's, there's things that I know or things about me or things that, um, yeah, think things that other people don't think about or don't have or, or whatever that I, I can be helpful with. I, I kind of go back to an example. When I, I'll give you this example. When I was in college, I thought I wanted to go into business of some kind, a business major of some kind, and uh, it really wasn't until I took my first accounting course that I went, wow, this is, this is the easiest course in college, right? Financial accounting, to me, was the easiest course in college, right? It was just algebra. It was like, financial accounting. It's like, this is, this is and, I'm, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm seeing all of my classmates struggling, struggling with this course. And I'm like, how could you guys be struggling with this? This is the most basic concepts out there. Assets equals liabilities plus owner's equity. Revenue less expenses is profits. Double entry accounting, you know, whatever. Credit, debit, easy. Like what? It's algebra. <laughs> right? And then 
I'm going, wait a minute. That actually probably isn't the way I need to be thinking about this, right? It's not them that are dumb or just can't get it. It's something about the way I'm wired that I get it. I get it, right? And I think those who are in professions sort of understand that, right? Engineering or whatever it is, like, we just get it. Like, it just makes sense. And I had to come to the realization that that sort of set me in a different place than, than others related to this, to, to numbers and accounting and money and all those sorts of things. And because of that, gosh, I should go into accounting, number one, as my major and my career. And then uh, number two, that, and this was later on, that I should really be helping people with that. So the helping people part, I think, was a later, a later concept for me. It was selfish at the outset. <laughs> this is more of a personal uh, reflection on teaching and learning. My dad said you can spend a quarter or two different ways. You can either buy one piece of candy for 25 cents or you can buy 25 one cent pieces of candy. And then he said also, he said that if you just learn to manage your pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves. Sorry, will I say that last part? He said, uh, if you learn to manage your pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves. There you go. Yeah. Those who are faithful with a little will be given a lot, right? It's true. It's true. The other way to spend a quarter is to only spend 10 cents on the candy and save the rest and give some of the rest away, right? Other questions, comments? Allowances for children? Oh, like giving an allowance for children. Yeah, gosh. Um, now we're getting into parental advice. Um, yeah, well, she, she knows. What, what's your allowance, Audrey? Zero. <laughs> Audrey gets zero allowance. Um, we've never given allowance to our kids. Uh, that's, I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I, I just, I think... For, for me, anyway, for us anyway, the idea of giving an allowance for, for no particular reason was, didn't make sense to us. Um, for us, the, 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 we, we pay for their expenses, and if they want something on their own, they've got to earn money to do that, right? So they do chores around the house, um, and they get paid for some of those chores, um, and, and then they can use that money how they want, so... That's how, that's how we've gone about it. It's, it's a, to me, it's a lesson in how the world works, right? So just, our kids are given a lot because we pay for their expenses, right? And then if they want, if they want to uh, earn their own funds, they, they earn it. So what was, it, was, was there a related question or that? Or? Yeah. Discussing well, what what should be just chores she has to do anyways. Yeah. And what could be the extra? Yeah. 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 That, that's that's very subjective, right? Yeah. What you can do, but the, the the idea behind that is is fantastic, right? So there's certain things that you do because you're a part of the family, and there's other things you can do extra to earn some extra money. I think that's generally speaking how we've gone about it. 
I think it's, it's one of the things that we tried to do and more didn't really follow up on, and I wish we would have more, but um, is to kind of take that giving, spending, saving concept and passing it on to the kids too. So saying, hey, you can earn, but you got to give some amount back, right, to the church. Um, and we did that to some degree, but we didn't, we didn't force it on them. But, um, you know, and then saving some and then, you know, spending some if you want, right? So I think passing that on to your kids is a real gift. Real gift. Dave. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Dave Ramsey. So we, we actually got the Dave Ramsey kid kit or whatever, right? So it actually has a little, I don't know, there's little tools in there and schedules and things like that that you can say, oh, I earned this much for this chore and then X amount we're going to put towards saving, X amount toward giving, you know, and then spend the rest. So there's great tools out there. And Dave Ramsey's fantastic too. I, I you know, I didn't mention him, but um, obviously he's huge in Christian circles related to finances, personal finances. Um, and... You know, it, if you do what Dave Ramsey says, you're going to be fine. I mean, I could quibble with him on a couple things that are, are in the big picture aren't that big of a deal. Um, but he's, you know, for, for a, the vast majority of people, following his, his guidance is, uh, is great. Fantastic. Yes. Scott. Um, I guess it's a question, half observation, so I don't know if you'd be able to answer it. But how do we, how do we remove ourselves from sort of economic caste system that is maybe a big blind spot in our lives, like, um, you know, it's our innate nature to categorize things, so we, with wealth or money, um, we have uh, upper class, middle class, and lower class, and then we tend to just hang out in those groups with very little crossover, the upper class, generally speaking, tends to help out the other class with some exceptions. There's not a lot of crossover, so it seems like the people with less resources um, continually get less help. And it seems that people that help the greatest of people with less resources are people with less resources. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we support as well. I mean, uh, so how do we get out of our comfort zones and start trying to bring everybody uh, into this place, I guess? Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> I don't know that I- You tend to people. You tend to hang out with people who are in your same class. Class, we want to call that word, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to do without having walked in their shoes. You know, yeah. on the on the lower 
in the poor spectrum of, of things, those people give to each other because they know that what they have, they don't get to hold on to for very long, so they don't get too attached to it. And so they just give it away yeah. easier than wealthy yeah. people. Yeah. And wealthy people, I mean, wealth is, it is work. It takes a lot of hard work, and once you get it, I can see why it's a temptation to hold on mm -hmm. to it, because it took a lot to get it. Yeah. And, and to let go of it is, is hard. And so, yeah. without ever having been in that previous place where letting go of it is easier, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for the rich man, but for the, for the poor man, you know, that's why Christ says what it is. Because poor folks, they know how to give and just you know, let go. Because they know there's yeah. probably another little bit right around the corner, yeah. and they'll be okay between where they are and when they get there. And, it's a whole different mode, and I think as us, I, I don't know where, what category you put yourself in. I've been around poor folk, I've been around rich folk. I'm in, I'm in the middle. Um, and I, I've certainly had an easier time with poor folk than I have with, with rich folk, um, just in comfort and, and, and just being around them. Um, and I, I couldn't make the translation if I was, I think, on the higher end. I think I would, I would be challenged by that. It, it really is a, a selfless thing. It's a, it's drilling down and being more selfless and more submitted to Christ with all that you have. Yeah. I feel like wealth, too, that can easily um, be an accompaniment of corruption of spirit uh, mm -hmm. in that the more you acquire, the more successful you are, the more apt you are to say, I am here because of my own yes. drive and will and hard work and abilities. And uh, more often, uh, it's a circumstance in the right place, right time, almost ever. I mean, your skills and, and um, attributes will, will take you only so far. There are a lot of things uh, left up to just rip and chance. And, um, I think when people acquire a lot of money, it's almost um, can can turn their spirit uh, sort of into this shape that's like, well, because I've lived so righteously is why I'm yep. Yeah, gets back gets back to the righteous rich, righteous poor. I'm ri I'm rich because I'm righteous. <clears throat> I did something right. It's mine. I'm not going to give it away because I earned it. Right. <clears throat> Somebody with that much wealth and prosperity has infinitely more power than somebody who doesn't. Yeah. Who doesn't looks at that and goes, they must be doing something right. Yeah. 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 Again, it comes back to a hard issue, right? Where's your heart at? And it's it's really hard. If you're if you're rich, that's the temptation, right? And and I would suggest again that a lot of us are rich, right? By by worldly standards, we are rich, and it's a temp it's a temptation to rest in that, you know, and not have the spirit of the Lord in how we manage it and how we, how we, how we spend it and how we, how we give it away. So, Audrey. that obedience to God and that connection 
of always being like, what are you telling me and why am I here in this place, this moment? I think being really difficult in our culture because of the busyness and then less, like, we can think about resources as money, but resources are also time. We yeah. all have a finite amount of time and we all have things pulling us in all these different directions, but I feel like if we think of resources and time, we would probably be more apt to be building these relationships and then resources just follow that, right? It's a tool. It's like, and I, you know, like when you're in the store and line and somebody's talking to you or whatever, it's like these moments that we can change if we're more connected to God. I think all of us will start following suit and then the Christians will be making changes. Yeah, you bring up a good point. <clears throat> so I'm talking about money, but you know, we're, the gifts God has given us is it's more than money. It's t time, talent, treasure, right? So I'm talking about treasure, but time is is huge. You know, there, there's ways to give your time as well, um, and your talents as well, right? So I think God wants all of it. He doesn't just want the money. He wants he wants all of it. He wants uh, he wants what we can give, which is more than money. brought together by Christ and not our economic status, ideally. I know churches will kind of organize that way kind of unintentionally, but I think that's real beautiful about our church is we can be aware of who might be in need and um, we have a diaconate and hopefully we'll mm -hmm. be able to support each other. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's examples in scripture too uh, where in the New Testament where um, sort of Richer churches, I think it was church in Corinth, if I'm not mistaken, was giving money to the to some of the other churches in in the Roman world. Um, so there were some rich people who saw ministry or saw God working in another part of the empire, and so they gave a big gift, you know, to that. And and so um, you know, it's a it's a great example of how we can serve. Um, and help within within the church, within the greater church, I guess you could say. Um, because you, yeah, you're right. I mean, you tend to, if we're going to church with the same people we sort of live with, that sort of means we're going to be sort of in the same general economic category as as uh, as the other people, right? So, um, you know, the, a church in Medina probably is, has a lot of fairly wealthy people in it, right? Whereas a church in, I don't know, name your poorer section of Seattle is not going to have as much resources, right? So um, some of that's natural, but the two against each other, which I think is the problem we have with being comfortable with our wealth uh, is that like you said, we have a roof over our head, we have four walls, yeah. we have a place to sleep. Uh, it's only when we start going, I don't have as much as him mm -hmm. or her Yep. Yeah, it's that's right. It's it's relative, right? And that's the temptation. Seeing seeing with our eyes what other people have, right? Or seeing with our eyes what the world is offering to us. 
on TV or commercials or advertising or you go to Costco and goodness, REI, whatever. I mean, I was just in REI the other day and I'm like, my goodness, I could buy that and that and that and that and I was in Costco the other day too and I was thinking, yeah, I need that 10-inch larger TV. But yeah, I mean, it's, so we're, we're constantly we're constantly tempted. I feel like a lot of that comes back to price works on this lot, particularly with the rich underwear and the poor widow team every that she had, right? Is it, it's not about what you have or don't have, right? It's about your heart and your willingness to take anything that you have, right? Whether it's material, wealth, your time, your body, and your energy, right? And to use that for God's purpose. And I think if you're really in tune with God, right? And you're praying and you're studying scripture and asking him to lead you, right? He will show you how to use anything and everything you have to further his kingdom. And if you're doing that, I don't think that you have to worry about, am I getting too comfortable with what I have or not, right? Because as long as God is leading you and you're following him wholeheartedly, you're going to be doing the right thing for his kingdom, whatever you have, whether that's a lot or Yeah. Cool. That's a good final word. I'm going to pray us out. Um, and uh, then we'll do a, uh, we'll have Jameson come up for lead us in communion, and then we'll do a couple songs as well. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to talk about a topic that doesn't get a lot of uh, airtime, I guess. Um, uh, I, I thank you for the gifts that you've given each one of us. You've given us all time, talent, treasure, and we ask that you would help us steward each of those things um, to glorify you. And we pray that we would all have the right heart, your heart, in how we uh, manage the tool of money specifically. Um, we pray that we can give generously, we can, we can spend wisely, uh, and that we can save um, to uh, glorify you in, in other ways as well. So um, we ask for that, um, and uh, we ask that uh, you would help us to avoid the temptations of this, this world. Um, yeah, just help us to live righteously, no matter what our economic position is, Lord, help us to live uh, righteously. Uh, so I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.